You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 29, An Adoption Relationship Story, Part 1. Everyone has a story. I mean everyone. In an earlier broadcast, I mentioned that when I was a creative writing teacher back in the last century, I would take my students to the airport to write stories about the passengers they saw in the terminal. We would all go to the gate area and just observe the passengers getting ready to depart and those just arriving. I told my students to use their imaginations to write stories that might be behind those nameless faces. You could do this kind of thing back then. It was so long before 9-11 and the TSA. In fact, it was so long ago, I think the number 11 had not yet been invented, though we did have 9. And we had gotten up to S in the alphabet, but T was still a few years off. It was that long ago. The point of that exercise is that everyone has a story, and the better we are at observing people and getting to know them, the richer and more satisfying those stories become, and the richer our lives become when we enter into the stories of others. Today's episode is an engaging story that has enriched my life, and I trust it will do the same for you. I interview Gail Rohde, a friend of Janet and mine, who shares her story of how being adopted played an important role in shaping her life and making her the woman she is today. It's a really interesting story of the relationships we were all made for. So settle back and listen in. I know you're going to enjoy this. I'm here with my friend Gail Rohde, and we are going to uh, listen to her story that I think you're all going to find quite interesting. So, Gail, uh, why don't you tell us, um, uh, you have an interesting adoption story, so... Uh, I think our listeners would be interested in your story. Can we start by you just sharing when you found out you were adopted? Sure. Um, I found out when I was actually a toddler. Uh, I was adopted at about four months old. Uh, I had been in a uh, foster home for a while after birth, and my parents um, got me when I was four months. And my first memory is I had a storybook as a child that talked about what it meant to be adopted. And I remember asking my parents what that meant. I have an older brother who's four years older who's their natural child and was always wondering, well, why was I born and adopted and he was just born? And so the story really addressed that and how, um, you know, I was special and my parents got me. Um, and so I always, I mean, I still have that book. It was a very special book to me as a okay. child. And uh, so I remember it's all, it was always an open conversation with uh -huh. my family. Um, you know, th as the years went on and as I grew and started being more inquisitive about who my real parents were, you know, started questioning, do I look like them? Because I didn't necessarily look like the people in my family. Hmm. Uh, and so just kind of wondering, where did I come from? Um, that was always an open 
an open discussion, um, but not a lot of answers, really, that they could provide me. So you could talk to them about it, and they weren't hesitant to share yeah, things? not at all. In fact, every few years, my mom would write to the state um, to see if my birth mother had contacted them, and apparently there's some law that if we both contact them, they would put us in touch with one another. Hmm. So she would get you know, some very basic information on my birth and on my parents, but it was the same information every time she wrote. So there was no connection from my birth mother, um, but she would always try to see. So they were very open to mm-hmm. possibly having us meet. Yeah. So how did, how, how did that affect your relationship with your adopted parents and your, and your brother, your half-brother? Um, you know, it was, I grew up in a great home. You know, I grew up in a in a very happy family. You know, we, you know, um, but no family is perfect. So you know, there was still, you know, my mother and I weren't terribly close, but I was very close to my father. Um, and my brother and I had the typical sibling things. You know, every now and then. Well, there was a period of time when he told me that if I was bad, they could give me back. <laughs> so I, I lived brothers for, do. <laughs> yeah, so I lived for about a week in fear that they were going to give me back when I did bad things. Uh-huh. And I had done enough bad things in the period of that week, and I wasn't sent back, that I figured I was probably safe. Um, but, you know, at times we would argue, and, well, Mom loves you more because she's, you know, your real mom. Well, Mom loves you more because they chose you. Um, or we would turn it, Mom loves me more because, you know, I was adopted and they picked me. Uh, so, you know, we would have that going back and forth. But there was never a huge rift between us. It was just part of the fabric of our family. Yeah, yeah. Now, you said you weren't, weren't as close with your mother as you were with your father. Did, mm-hmm. did that dichotomy have anything to do with adoption, or was that just totally independent of that? You know, I think over the years, I may have thought about this a lot, and I really think it was just my mother's personality. Uh. Um, When my dad was in hospice and we spent a lot of time talking with each other, I had always longed for affection from my mother, and there wasn't a lot of affection there. Um, And I could count on my hand, on one hand, the number of times she told me she loved me over the years. Um, But when my dad was in hospice, he told me he also has only heard it maybe five times in their whole married life. Oh, no. So I realized then that it wasn't directed towards me, yeah. that I was just who she was. And she had, um, I think, some pain in her childhood that she never shared with anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad and I, in our discussions, we were both kind of realizing this. And so I think she was just coming from a place where that's just who she was. Yeah. And it didn't have anything really to do with me being adopted or not. Yeah. We were all being treated the same. (laughs) And she was, I mean, she was a great provider and she loved us to the point that she, you know, did things for us and provided for us and, you know, but she just wasn't the warm fuzzy. Yeah. So so as a child and a teenager, did did it affect your relationships with your with your peers, with your friends? Did you, did you think about it a lot, or was it really an issue? Or there was a time, I would say, in my teenage years that it consumed me. A little bit more than it had in at other times, and I don't know if that was just part of the growing pains, um, figuring out who I was as a person. Uh, I know that there were probably several times that I really regret (laughs) 
that my you know parents would be disciplining me for something that I deserved, probably usually bad grades or something, and um, getting grounded. And I remember saying, you know lashing out, well, my real mom wouldn't do this to me, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, I spent a lot of time at Mayfair Mall looking at all the women walking past, trying hmm. to figure out were they right about the right age, did they look like me, uh, you know, hmm. just trying to figure that out. Um, and yet, like with my friends, I had a I had a very close friend all through grade school, and she found out in high school as she was being um, admitted to one of the St. Mary's Hill Hospital for anorexia. During the admission process, she found out she was adopted. Wow. And so she was already in a very bad spot. And so she called me, knowing that I was adopted, and was on the phone, you know, I just found out I'm adopted. Ah, ah. You know, it was very at a point of crisis. And, you know, she spent her entire childhood feeling um, unloved by her parents. And, um, you know, so, I mean, it was interesting that she came to me. Yeah. You know, knowing that I was adopted, but, um, you know, it was, you know, I just didn't know what to tell her because my story was so different. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't have that realization at that point, and it made me really thankful that I did know my whole life. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what it would have felt like to find out like that. Yeah, yeah. So would you, would you say that, you know, for those people that have adopted children, it would be good to let them know as soon as Soon rather than later? You know, I, I always think truth is always the best policy. You know, uh-huh. kids, I think I can imagine that as a parent, it would be fearful that your child wouldn't love you as much because they're not, you know, your real parent. Um, but I would kind of beg to differ that it would be just the opposite because, mm. you know, even though I wasn't that close to my mom, she was my mom. Mm-hmm. She was the one that stayed up with me when I was sick. She was the one that helped me with my homework and fed me. And, you know, she is still that person in my life that yeah. loved and nurtured me yeah. to adulthood and made me the person really that I am today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's no replacing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the person who gives birth to you, I feel, you know, does give you a lot and is a very important person. But, you know, to be honest with your kids and to nurture truth in that relationship, um, I think, is so important. And to be open about it so that the kids feel they have some place to go with questions, with feelings, to be able to discuss that openly, I think, is important. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, When when did you uh, start wondering about... uh, possibly tracking, trying to find your mother or your, your father, mm-hmm. your birth father? When my dad got sick and had to stop working, he offered to help me find, like to actually actively try to find ah. my birth mom. And I thought about it for quite a while, and you know, I said, no, mm. I don't want to at this point. I was, um, I was in my 20s, um, and I just felt that at that point, if I found my birth mom and she didn't want to have anything to do with me, like if she had moved on with her life, if she had a family and had never told them about this other child, I didn't want to bring that kind of stress into her life, and I honestly Mm. didn't want a door slammed in my face. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. That would have been very painful. And so I just assumed that she had this whole new life and didn't want me to be a part of it. So I said no. Um, 
but I always, you know, and I think the next time that I really started wondering was when I was having kids of my own. Mm. Um, you know, I think those questions come back with, what am I passing on? Yeah. What hereditarily is, you know, am I giving them that I don't even know about? Yeah. You know, is there something dangerous? Is there, you know, something that, you know, you just don't know what, you know, felt a little bit like a time bomb. I have no idea <laughs> what I'm giving them. So, you know, those questions start coming up again. And should I find my mother just, or my father just for health reasons? Yeah. Um, but then also just, you know, wanting, yeah, wanting answers, I guess. You know, curiosity starts getting the best of you. Yeah. And just, yeah, knowing. I remember for me, when I was trying to track down my birth father, it was, it was more about, I mean, I did wonder about the health thing, mm -hmm. too. Like, you know, am, am I going to get cancer or right. whatever? Um, but it was, it was a, a case of where did, I, where did I come from? I really wanted mm -hmm. to know where, mm -hmm. I, where I came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's important for some people. I've noticed some, too, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like some people either have this uh, obsession with finding their birth mm -hmm. parents or they are at the other end of the spectrum where mm -hmm. they, they absolutely don't even want to know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I would really say I was kind of right in between. Mm -hmm. I, felt, like I felt like I kind of vacillated back and forth. Um, you know, definitely wanting to know where I came from, what is my heritage. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had a roommate in college who would, you know, just sit there staring at me for, and I would look at her and I'm like, why are you staring at me? She goes, oh, I'm trying to figure out where you're from. She's like, your cheekbones look like you could be Scandinavian. And you know, she would just study my face and try to figure out. And that was such a, I mean, that was her obsession. She really wanted to help me figure out where I came from and, yeah. and, and who I was. So, you know, I would, I, you know, I feel like, yeah, I'm somewhere in between. I was yeah. never really, you know, I need to find this person or I really absolutely don't want to. I feel like at times in my life, I've kind of gone both ways. Yeah. When, when your dad uh, offered to help, um, you didn't really follow through on that at, mm -hmm. at, at that time. When did it change where you wanted to, to know a little bit more after that? Hmm. I would say not until, I would say maybe when I had my second child. Hmm. Um, I think my first child, I was just so consumed with being a new mom. Yeah. Uh, you know, and definitely the health stuff was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, and as he was growing, you know, they'd have school projects and do your family tree. And hmm. I was like... I can't give you anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I can give you the family that I was adopted into, and I can give you that history, but it's really not your genetic history. Uh, and then when I had my daughter, um, it was a little bit more feeling of, I really wish I knew. Yeah. I really wish I could yeah. give them something, give them something to give to their kids yeah. of you know, what our history is hmm. or who they are. Yeah. So how did you act on that? I, I think our listeners would be interested to know. Uh, well, interestingly enough, I hadn't thought of anything, but my husband, uh, for Christmas about five years ago, gave me a 23andMe genetic test for Christmas. Uh -huh. And I hadn't even, that wasn't even on my radar as something that would help. And his motivation for giving it to me was to come up with family history, you know, heritage of what part of the world we come from, and then some of the medical um, and you know information yeah. as well. So, you know, I got the results of that and um, confirmed some of the things that we had gotten from the state information as as far as you know told me you know some of my heritage. Um, and so it was went into obviously more detail, but 
I got that and I've, I got a lot of the family history as far as uh, medical stuff, mm. um, which luckily there was nothing of concern. Um, so, you know, it was just, it felt good. Yeah. You know, I have something every now and then I would go look at it or it would come up with, you know, new stuff as um, science advanced. Mm-hmm. And it'd be interesting. Um, but it just kind of sat there. Um, just sat out there and, you know, it would connect me with distant cousins. It was like, you mm. know, fourth to distant cousin, third to fifth cousin. And a couple of people would contact me through 23andMe and say, oh, what are your surnames that are related in your family? And let's see if we can find a connection. It's like, well, I can't give you anything. I know nothing. Um, I had one person who really tried to help me, um, gave me all of the surnames from her family that she knows of, and she saw where I was from and any family that were in you know, the Midwest, and these are the connections that I have if it helps you on your way. I was like, well, thank you. I don't really know what to do with that, but yeah. thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, but that was about it, you know, every now and then. Um, so this last Christmas, uh, for some reason, I don't know what what prompted this, I said to my husband, well, I've tested on 23andMe, but ancestry is such a big thing now with the TV shows about finding your roots and all of that. That's what's you know, advertise mm. so much. So what if she tests on Ancestry.com and I'm on 23andMe and we would never connect? Mm. So this Christmas I got an Ancestry test. Oh. Huh. <laughs> so that was part of my Christmas gift this year. So I tested on Ancestry.com. Uh-huh. And I, I wouldn't say that I felt like I had this drive that I wanted to know or needed to know. I kind of, at this point in my life, you know, I knew my mom would probably be in her 70s. And I thought, well, you know, the chances of her testing are probably fairly slim. Yeah. Um, so I hope to maybe out there there's a half-brother, half-sister, something. Who knows? Um, but I didn't really put much more thought to it than that. Just mm-hmm. thought, well, now I've tested, now I know. I wanted to kind of compare the two to see if they told me the same things. Uh, and that was about it. So I kind of left it there. Yeah. But then something's happened just recently that you told me about. Yes. Um, so in March... About once a month, I would get an email from 23andMe if I had any new DNA matches for relatives. Um, so it'll just say, you have new DNA relatives in this email. And so I got you know, my monthly, monthly email, and so I opened it up. And it's, like I said, usually third to fifth cousin, second to fourth cousin, something like that. And I opened this email, and it said, I had a new DNA relative, and the predicted relationship was mother. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yes, yeah. my eyes opened Quite wide. (laughs) First thing in the morning. Um, So yeah, that was a shock. We'll pick up the rest of Gail's story next week when she shares what happened next after she received the email from 23andMe identifying her birth mother. There are a number of things I learned in the first part of Gail's story that I found encouraging. One is the great relationship Gail had with her adoptive parents growing up. Early on, they were open with Gail that she was adopted and even gave her a book about it at a very young age that she still has. Her adoptive parents wanted her to know who she was, who wanted her to be clear on her identity, even at a very young age. I love that Gail still has the book her parents gave her. It's a marker to remind her of where she came from, a positive reminder of her identity that's different from most other people. And that's perfectly fine. Different is good. It's encouraging to me to see the wisdom her parents had in talking about her origins. When there are no secrets, shame has no fertile soil in which to grow.
I'm impressed with how so self-assured they were in their identity that her adoptive parents were not threatened by a child who would wonder about hers. Gail mentioned her friend from high school who didn't find out she was adopted until she was admitted to the hospital for anorexia. What a shock that was to her. And how she reached out to Gail because Gail's adoption was out in the open, with nothing to hide. It reminded me of the shock I experienced when I was 10 years old, and how out of the blue my mother told me I was adopted. No one likes surprises like this. Gail's parents gave her the great gift of no surprises. More than this, they helped her early on to try and locate her birth mother because they knew this was a missing piece to their daughter's identity. They were confident in their relationship with Gail that they didn't fear that if she found her birth mother, her affection and attachment to them would shift to her. Other adoptive parents sometimes fear they will lose something dear to them if their child develops a relationship with their birth parents. Not so with Gail's parents. They were all in for meeting her needs and less concerned for their own. What a great lesson for all of us who are parents. And yet Gail's parents were not perfect, as she describes them. I can count on one hand the times my mother told me she loved me, Gail said. She longed for affection from her mom, but found it instead from her father. We were very close, she said. And what a wise man he was. While in hospice, he told Gail he himself rarely heard, I love you, from his wife. He helped Gail to realize that this lack in her life was not about her. It was about her mother's personality and the place of pain she came from. This truth brought relief to Gail in her dad's last days. I sure hope in my last days I can bless someone like he did. Gail talks a bit more about her adoptive mother in next week's episode and the gifts she received from her just recently in the memory care facility where she lives. So stay tuned for that. And though Gail says, I grew up in a great home, there was still a longing there. Imagine walking in a shopping mall looking at women about the age of her mother at the time and wondering, could that be her? Could that be my mother who gave me up for adoption? Could that be her? I don't know about you, but that sure touches my heart. Yet in her 20s, Gail chose not to look for her birth mother. You may recall that when her dad got too sick to work, he offered to be more intentional about helping Gail locate her. Gail said no. She was concerned that if she found her birth mother, the woman would reject her for a second time. I didn't want a door slammed in my face. That would be way too painful. I can picture and feel this ambivalence Gail went through. On the one hand, wanting to know where you've come from, but on the other hand, being afraid of what you might find. After all, what kind of person gives away her daughter? It wasn't until Gail started having children of her own that she was able to push through her ambivalence did her interest in locating her birth mother rise. It arose out of concern for the medical history that could affect her offspring. We'll get into more of that next week. Before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. Knowing the story of who we are and where we've come from 
is vitally important in living the life God wants us to live today. I'll say it one more time. Knowing the story of who we are and where we've come from is vitally important in living the life God wants us to live today. Well, here's a way you can act in response to today's show. You may not know anyone who's adopted, but you may know someone who is affected by their painful past. Ask God for wisdom to do what Gail's adoptive parents did, namely help someone find resolution to their past. That someone may even be you. Coming up next week in part two of my interview with Gail Rohde, she will talk about what she did after getting the email identifying her birth mother. We'll learn the feelings she went through and the action she took. We'll learn what she learned through all of this and where she saw God involved in all of it. I was inspired by what Gail shared, and I'm pretty sure you will be too. And now for our Relationship Quote of the Week. It comes to us from David McCulloch, one of my favorite historians. He says the following, How can we know who we are and where we are going if we don't know anything about where we have come from and what we have been through? the courage shown, the cost paid, to be where we are. David McCulloch. Well, that's about it for today's episode. If you know adoptive parents or an adult adoptee, please share this episode with them. I'd also appreciate you subscribing to the podcast if you haven't already done so, as well as leaving a review in whatever podcast player you use. Doing both of these things will help the podcast serve more people. And above all, remember what you were made for. You were made to experience life-giving, fulfilling relationships. We're here together to learn how. See you next week. Goodbye for now.